Welcome to America's Heroes Group podcast with information and resources that's disseminated intentionally to empower our military population with host Vietnam veteran Cliff Kelly, co-host Iraq veteran Colonel Dr. Damon Arnold, and co-host Army National Guard veteran Sean Claiborne. And now, America's Heroes Group podcast. Welcome back to America's Heroes Group, our roundtable with a community outreach with the NADCP, the National Association of Drug Corps Professionals. Today is Saturday, March 25th, 2023. March is Women's History Month. Well, this is Cliff Kelly. I'm Sean Clinton, the co-host, Army National Guard veteran. Our executive producer is Glenda Smith. Our digital media producer is Ivan Ortega of Scouts on a production and in charge of all things technical around here. And we have a panelist with us today, a great guest, if I may say the least, she is an actor, producer, and activist who played who play the assistant press secretary, Carol Fitzpatrick, in The West Wing. Melissa is a senior director of Justice for Vets. Thanks for coming on our show. Well, thank you for having me. And I just want to correct one thing. I, am, I, I started as the senior director of Justice for Vets, and now I am the director of the Advancing Justice Initiative at the National Association of Drug Corp Professionals. And I only correct it because... The director of Justice for Vets is a phenomenal veteran who uh, I think you've had on your show, Scott Taroki, mm-hmm. and uh, I, I wouldn't ever want to take anything away from him. He's fabulous. <laughs> well, thanks for that update. I appreciate sure. that. Sure. So thank t- you for having me on, and thank you for having my colleagues on, too, in the past to talk about our work. We really appreciate getting the word out there. And it's really important because this is something that really has had a positive impact on not just what, how veterans are treated in the legal system, but how and people that are have substance abuse issues or things like that, but actually as a blue as a blueprint to help the justice system across the board because it saves money yeah. and it's more successful. So tell me, so you're you're an, you're an actress. You were on the West Wing. You were in you were in the movie uh, Frequency with Dennis Quaid. You were you did a guest appearance on or I could call it a cameo. I would call it on the Truman on the Truman Show, the movie The Truman Show yeah. with, with Jim Carrey. Yeah. You did uh, an episode on uh, Grey's Anatomy. Boy, you know my resume better than I do. <laughs> I'm impressed. So, but tell me, so how did you, how do you leave Hollywood and then become a person who's who's actively fighting for veterans? I, I, at my hunches, it has something to do with your family. But tell me about well, how that worked. Well, you know, when when I lived in Los Angeles, I was really very fortunate to work with a couple, several other actors, and we started a nonprofit working with at-risk teens on a mentoring theater program, and we ultimately took that program to war-torn northern Uganda to work with former abducted child soldiers and other teenagers displaced by that just brutal rebel war, and that really opened my eyes to the impact of war on communities, and when I returned, we, we uh, made a documentary about that experience, and one of the gentlemen who was working with us, editing and, and helping us write, uh, Paul Friedman, a wonderful filmmaker and human rights activist, he was doing videos for the Army, and he was working with with men and women who he felt were struggling. And he said, you know, I feel like there's a story here, and I'd like to tell that story in a film. And I said, I'd love to help you tell that story. So we worked together on, you know, with you know, other producers, obviously. And, um, and I, I got Max Cleland, the great Max and, and late, wonderful Max Cleland involved. And he shared his story, returning home, struggling with post-traumatic stress. And, and, you know, we profiled several other 
veterans who struggled with the transition home. Some were self-medicating with drugs and alcohol. And, you know, it was a very powerful experience to work on that film. And at the same time, I lost a dear friend to addiction. And Martin Sheen invited me, who had been a champion of of treatment courts for, at that point, about almost 20 years. And he invited me to speak at the National Association of Drug Court Professionals National Conference here in D.C. And it turns out my father was a judge and recently retired, but he was a judge who started one of these courts. He started a mental health court. So that all those things at once came together to really open my eyes to what was happening. And, and National Association of Drug Court Professionals had just launched justice for vets. And I became a supporter because I felt very strongly that, you know, I guess as an actor in acting school, they taught us to act is to do. Mm -hmm. And I think that if you really have gratitude for the service of our veterans, let's show it in our feet. Let's show it through actions. Let's support programs that work for veterans and their families and programs like Veterans Treatment Courts. And I felt that it was a real opportunity and a, a gift to be able to support the work that Justice for Vets was doing at that time. And then they were looking for a senior director. And um, I remember talking to a dear friend of mine, Tommy Riemann, who at that time was really struggling. And, you know, I, I, uh, he was profiled in the film, Halfway Home. Mm-hmm. He was one of the gentlemen that was profiled in the film. And, you know, in 2003, he was on a reconnaissance mission in Iraq. His convoy came under heavy fire. He used his body as a human shield. He was shot twice, 11 shrapnel wounds. And, you know, he he miraculously recovered and was, you know, there's an action figure after Tommy, a video game. Uh, In 2007, President Bush acknowledged him in the State of the Union address, several minutes standing ovation. He's an American hero. Mm -hmm. And amid all the accolades and the honors, he was struggling. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, his family life was falling apart. He was self-medicating with with, uh, drugs and alcohol. And one after a night of heavy drinking, he he wanted to end his life. And he uh, left a note and he drove his truck into a tree. And again, miraculously, he survived. But he was facing charges. And there was not a veterans treatment court where he lived in North Carolina. I remember I talked to him and he said, you know, I think you should do that job. I said, because it's too late for me, but it's not too late for my brothers and sisters. And I'll help you however I can. And thank goodness it was not too late for Tommy because a couple months later, the very first veterans treatment court opened not too far from where he lived in North Carolina. He became one of their their first participants. And one of my happiest days was being able to attend his graduation from the veterans treatment court. And he is now happily married and he's living a life of which he's proud. Wow. So that, that really motivated me to want to do this job um, and to, to be able to have the opportunity to say thank you for your service in a more um, active way. So to illustrate the power of the Veterans Court, how what tools and resources and how is it different from what his experience would have been in the regular simple civilian court system versus what he experienced in the Veterans Treatment Court? Well, treatment courts in general are alternatives to incarceration for individuals who've been arrested, who have a substance use and or mental health 
disorder. And they can receive treatment. They receive, it's a holistic approach. It's kind of, and, and veterans treatment courts, it's a one-stop shop for veterans. And uh, veterans treatment courts work very closely with the VA and the veterans justice outreach specialists at the VA. Um, and it's treatment. So they are given treatment and it's individualized, which I think is very important. And in a veterans treatment court, they are there with their fellow veterans. And it is really, I mean, traveling around the country visiting veterans treatment courts, one of the things I heard so much was in this courtroom, I got my unit back. Mm -hmm. And many veterans said to me, I've been arrested before, incarcerated before, and I was a number. Mm -hmm. In veterans treatment court, they use my name. They thank me for my service. The judge the court team, the treatment providers, the probation, parole, everybody is there cheering me on, wanting me to be successful and giving me the tools and the treatment that I need to be successful. Now, these programs are strict accountability, of course, but there's also hope and humanity and everyone is treated as an individual with respect and dignity. And you really see how that is so wildly successful. And the other, the other piece that a veterans treatment court has are veterans from the community volunteer to serve as mentors to their fellow veterans. Mm. And they can help connect them to resources in the community, um, you know, and, and, and be somebody that they can talk to and, and have a shared experience. You touched on a very important word, accountability, which a lot of people, when they see, because there's always this this this, uh, this discourse between people that want to be tough on crime and want to punish, and you know, black people love and things like that, and then the then the the evidence and the science that shows that, well, if you treat the problem as opposed to just treating the symptom, then you can actually get some success and actually reduce recidivism and all the types of things that are going on in the court system. You know, and veterans. Hundred percent. Yeah, I mean, we can go into those numbers a little bit later about you know how successful veterans court and treatment courts in general are, but so that it can reduce reduce recidivism by up to fifty eight percent. So you know, you said something that I often think about, like tough on crime. Treatment courts are very tough on crime, and they're tough on crime by reducing it. Mm. So. When you return individuals to the community healthy and healed, that is how you reduce crime. And, you know, our veterans are of our nation's greatest and most valuable resource. We need our veterans in our communities. And with treatment courts, our veterans are returning to our communities, and they're being the real assets that we need. Mm. Now, your your formal uh, castmates on the West Wing have been very supportive, and actually, I saw the PSA you guys did a year, a few years oh, back. Oh, great! Yeah, so I mean, it was and it was it was touching, and it was and it's and at the same time, it was I want to say not ironic, but in the in this in a in a fantasy world where there is a, a fictional White House with a fictional you know group of people trying to solve the world's problems, the actual actors are trying to solve some of the toughest problems here in this country right now, you know, in the real world. So tell me, how have they been supported? How have they helped you raise awareness to what what's going on with this? In every way I've asked, I mean, I, and that our organization has asked of them. And all of them do so much for our country, for the community. And I think, you know, the show did give us an opportunity and a platform. And I think Brad Whitford said something about, you know, somebody had said to him, you've been given this platform. You can either use it for yourself or you can use it to help others. And I think that that is a group of people that has chosen to use it to help others. And 
certainly our work has benefited from that. I personally have benefited from that. And Martin Sheen was really our leader in that. Mm. He has been a champion for social justice issues his in, you know, forever. And his march towards social justice has inspired all of us. And, you know, I wouldn't be doing this, this work if not for Martin and my father. So I, I'm, will be forever grateful for for all of their help. And they've done PSAs, they've gone on media, they've come to graduations of treatment courts as well, um, and written op-eds. Dulé Hill wrote a beautiful op-ed about his visit to a veterans treatment court in Philadelphia. Um, They'll do, they show up. I mean, that is, they're phenomenal. They are just phenomenal. And I, I couldn't ask for a better group of colleagues and friends and, and really family. Wow. And that's really good that you can you know, do work in your career and actually develop a family. Because a lot of times we go to work and we meet people, but we don't have those connections. But yeah. it shows that you know the work that they're supporting you with, and then also the fact that this is not an easy task. This is not you know rolling a pebble down the hill. This is pushing a boulder up. <laughs> you know, so I mean, so th- that being said, how much how much influence did your mother have? Because she was a volunteer. Now you've done a lot of volunteer work in your life. You did work in Uganda. Yeah. You did work. You don't work with this. You, you started. Uh, uh, was it a, a, a vocal group? And and when you were in college, a theater, a, a mentoring theater program for yeah. at-risk teens in Los Angeles. Yep. And what was the name um, of that program? Voices in Harmony. Voices in Harmony. Okay, yeah. So I thought it was a singing group when I first. When I first well, it certainly sounds like it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but we were we were referring to speaking voice. I don't think we thought that probably people would hear it as singing. <laughs> so how did you how did you get this passion for volunteer work and also for helping veterans, for helping people in general, doing all the stuff you've done around the world? Well, I think watching my parents have a real passion for for that work, you know, my mother and my father both, and getting so much out of it themselves. Um, I, I see them as people who are fed by service and fed by being part of their community. Um, they, they love it. Like, they live for it. My father, if you talk to him about being a judge, he's like, it's the best job in the world. Mm. And he, he loved it. And he started a mental health court um, back when it was a heavy lift to start a mental health court. Now, of course, there's so much more data and evidence about how these courts really work. Um, It is, thank goodness, a little bit easier. Um, But, you know, I think seeing that, and I went to a school that really valued service. We had a service organization at our school. And I think once you start volunteering and being part of your community, it's hard not to realize that really the benefit is to yourself. Mm -hmm, It's just, I, I, I look at the friendships I had and, and Los Angeles, you know, as an actor, it could be kind of a lonely place. And I never felt that. I had the best friends in the whole world, West Wing ones, but also my friends who started Voices in Harmony with me and supported Voices in Harmony over the years. It was a really wonderful group of people. And, and many of them are still very deeply in my life. And um, I wouldn't have met them otherwise. So it, it is a gift, I think, to yourself as much as anything else. So, do you see this uh, this attention and, and information that you that you're bringing to the forefront on veterans treatment court and treatment courts in general? Do you see this as a way to reform the social justice system or the, or the justice system in general across the country? Absolutely. You know, right right before I started working here, I think it was about two weeks before I went. I attended. My father was receiving um, an award for his. Cr- judicial excellence in his career. And one of the things he said when he was talking about treatment courts 
was, you know, we have to, as a nation, decide how we are going to treat the most vulnerable among us. Are we going to take them into our hearts or are we going to take them into our prisons? Mm. And I think that treatment courts prove that when you take them into our hearts, there's less of a need to take them into our prisons because treatment courts return healthy individuals to their communities, to our communities. And, um, and I think that, that the, the lessons that are learned through treatment courts, the things that work, evidence-based treatment, evidence-based programs that work, can work across the justice system. And when so many individuals who are incarcerated have substance use and or mental health disorders, we know that there's a better way. We know that treatment can work and accountability and structure uh, through a court program and support. So applying those lessons across the board, I think, is um, really wise. Mm -hmm. And on top of that, you know, as a person who, you know, I pay attention to, you know, money and things along these lines. But the thing of it is, is that it's more cost effective. It sure is. It's way more cost effective. Like there, I mean, I had there was there was a study from Lamont Rainey, 2019. According to Nebraska Administrative Office of Courts and Probation, the cost of supervision for a participant is $7.85 per day. This is in the Nebraska system. So $7.85 per day for a treatment program where their person is getting supervision. Okay. By comparison, the Department of Correctional Services lists its cost per day for an inmate in a prison, $105.83. So you would rather pay $7.85 per day or $105.83. Right. And when you think about when someone comes out of prison, they will have it'll be harder for them to get a job. Most likely they have not received evidence based treatment. They will come out and, you know, they've been separated from their family, separated from their community. So there's a breakdown there. Um, They're not coming out in a great as good a place as they could be going through something like a treatment court program. So, you know, my as another thing my dad said when I asked him originally about treatment courts, he's like, Melissa, anybody who knows anything about these courts is for them, and they're for them because they work. And I'm like, hmm, he's right. They do. They work by saving lives, restoring families, making our communities safer, and saving the taxpayer a tremendous amount of money. Hmm. Very smart. So tell us about your book. You have a book that you wrote. Yeah. Well, we're not finished yet. We're okay. still uh, after after I leave you, I'm going to go home and write. But um, is this, is this, is this is the, the front, from, make sure correct me if I'm wrong. But what's next? The backstage pass through the West Wing is cast, crew, and enduring legacy of service. Yes, and you, and you that is it. This with uh, Mary McCormick. Yes, who is an actress on the West Wing, and Mary McCormick has been a you know she's a Justice for Vets ambassador here for you know our organization, and she, her sister was the Chief Justice on the State Supreme Court of Michigan, and they were tremendously supportive of treatment courts and veterans treatment courts. Their father uh, was a was a, a veteran, and um, you know a, a really incredible man who passed recently, but. Um, a proud veteran, and they are very proud of their father's service. Um, so Mary and I really wanted to tell the story of the West Wing family, and it's basically what you asked me earlier about the support that they've given to different causes and different issues, and we want to elevate those issues in the book. But, of course, it's a backstage fun 
book for fans, too, because we'll talk about We'll profile several um, episodes. We'll talk about behind-the-scenes fun stories, about um, different characters. So we've interviewed, we've done probably, I'd say, 60, 70 interviews so far. The whole cast, the crew, um, the producers, the writers, they've all been involved. The creators of the show, Aaron Sorkin, generously is involved. Peter Roth, who was the head of uh, Warner Brothers Television at the time. Tommy Schlamme, executive producer and director, original director, and um, all the actors. So we're very excited about the book. And the thing I'm is, very excited to finish it, too. <laughs> get my weekends back. But take your time. Do, do your due diligence. Take, take your time. Get it, get it done the way you want it. Don't, we don't will. We it. will. But the thing is, the, the West Wing was one of the most phenomenal and and groundbreaking shows in television and media history, because it was such an important show. I mean, that's that that show was up there with you know the groundbreaking shows like Mash or All in the Family or any any groundbreaking show, particularly for that time and that space in in American history, because it showed how. Uh, how it kind of gave you an inside glimpse and people would have, you know, the the peanut gallery would have arguments and discussions and discourse mm-hmm. about how uh, real it was or how accurate it might have been to real life. But it got people thinking about real topics and real things without being confrontational or being uh, right. or putting people down or making feel, people feel bad for their p- points of views. All different types of points of views from the religious right to the to the liberal left to the people in the middle. Everybody had a voice. Everybody was represented, and there was a discussion in real time. Yeah. I mean, definitely had a point of view, for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, and I feel very lucky to have been a small part of that show. I really do. It was um, certainly changed changed my life. I wouldn't be doing the work I'm doing now if not for that show. I certainly wouldn't have the support um, that we've had. And just being part of it at the time was amazing. It really was remarkable to, I remember the scripts. I mean, the writing on that show was spectacular. And um, I remember they would deliver the scripts to my apartment, to everybody's apartment or everyone's homes and apartments, but I lived in an apartment. So they would deliver the scripts, hand deliver, you know, the hard copy in an envelope sealed and says, if the seal's broken, contact Warner Brothers. (laughs) And I remember just, it was such a joy to read the scripts because they're so beautifully written, I would, you know, be so excited to get it, the next one for the next episode, and I would just go in my apartment, turn off the phone, and read it, the whole thing. Um, and it was just a joy. It really was. Particularly Martin Sheen's, uh, his his speeches were very well written. Oh. I mean, you couldn't ask for a better speechwriter <laughs> than, what, than what he had or whatever. He was coming up. And he was just, I mean, he, but in the in the shows, he typically was just winging it, walking in on a conversation when people are arguing. They come in like Abraham Lincoln uh, repossessed from the dead and uh, give this, <laughs> this uh, speech. And everybody's like, oh, yeah, that makes sense. You know, that was, just, I mean, that was a phenomenal show. Did you think you would get that 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 uh, that role? How hard was it for the, for you to come across that opportunity and then get awarded that role? I mean, I feel I I remember when I read the script, the pilot episode, and I said to myself and to my agent, I just said, this is going to be the best show ever on television. And I don't care if I say one word on it one time. I want to be a part of it. And, you know, I feel very fortunate that 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 did happen. And I got to be a small part of it. And I um, got to see and work with some of the best actors alive with some of the best writing ever, ever created. Um, 
and directing. I mean, my gosh, it was just such a, it was a joy. It really was. And then to end up with some of the best people still in my life, 20 plus years, 20, gosh, 24 years later from when we started it. Um, I just, I feel so fortunate. Wow. So fortunate. If, if you have, we have about two minutes left. So could you tell us what was the most important lesson you learned on the West Wing? I think that there's to work together as a team and a family and that every single person needs to be respected, honored, and they will bring something that's needed to the party. And, um, and I think that's what happens in treatment courts, too. People are treated as individuals, and they are treated with dignity and respect, and they are held to a high standard, just as we were at work, and you've got to meet those high standards, but you have the support and the team around you to be successful. And in that process, we're making communities more successful, making our veterans' lives better. We're actually honoring our veterans in a way that they need to be honored and should be honored by, by treating them like humans and also helping them overcome problems that they had in the past versus just punishing a person, not really treating the, the actual root cause of the problem, and having them come back into the system over and over again. Exactly. I'm, I would love to have you guys back on the show. You guys got You have to come back on our show and actually give us more information, particularly when that book is out. Uh, let us know when that oh, we'd book love is. to. Yes, get, let us know. When we'd that love book is to, done. and there, and we'll be talking about our work in the book. We talk about treatment courts in the book. We, you know, we talk about other issues and causes that other people have been working on. So it's, um, you know, it's definitely there's a call to action in there too. <laughs> I appreciate your time. It's been a pleasure. Well, thank you so much. It, what a, what a pleasure to meet you, and thank you for your great work. Thank you. This is America's Heroes Group. We just had a great conversation with Melissa Fitzgerald. She is. I didn't get your your, your t- new title again. You got to repeat. repeat I'm that. the director of advancing justice at the National Association of Drug Court Professionals. She said it. America's Heroes Group. We'll be right back. Thank you for listening to America's Heroes Group podcast. Don't forget to subscribe so you won't miss an episode. And for more details, visit americashg.org.